Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time, it's time for Cyclone Insider on 1460 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson. We're here for the next hour with you talking all things Iowa State sports. We're going to be joined here in a little bit by our recruiting correspondent, Alyssa Hertel, to talk a little bit about some Iowa State football recruits and recruiting. But first, Randy, how are you? Okay, right now. You had to think about that. (laughs) Well, no, because I know we're going to end up arguing here shortly, Um, which is fine. I like to argue with you. Um, I mean, I know I don't often win, but that's okay. Oh, man, Um, you're already staking out the victims. uh, yeah, position here. I, I don't. I don't go into go into a discussions like we're fixing to have here with you, um, thinking that I'm going to come out. I just try to you. Bully you admitting you. that I came out the winner. I just try to bully you. No, you try. <laughs> you do. I, I think the the topic of the day, or at least the topic of the moment in college sports, continues to be name, image, and likeness. The NCAA came out with what I guess they're terming as guidance yesterday on Monday about how name, image, and likeness is being used. Obviously, the system has become exactly what I think everybody thought it was possible for it to be when the NCAA basically just put its hands up in surrender last summer and allowed NIL, which had been the antithesis of college athletics in this country for over 100 years, and just said, okay, go for it. And now we have what is a mostly unregulated market of, I think you can say it's chaotic without that necessarily being a bad thing. No one knows what the hell is going on, is essentially what's going on in the NIL market. So now the NCAA, I think, is certainly getting pressure from its member institutions. My guess would be the ones that aren't writing or whose boosters aren't writing big checks to push back a little bit here and try to regain the reins here. Uh, they're talking about reinstituting their authority, essentially, on boosters being involved with the recruiting process, illegal inducements, which apparently are still a thing, uh, even in an NIL world. And I think the, the word that we've seen most is crackdown on NIL deals that they feel are in violation of that inducement clause or rule, and that they're going to be looking at NIL deals that have already occurred prior to this guidance and these guidelines and retroactively is the word that we're seeing uh, potentially punish some of the boosters. Maybe the schools doesn't sound like athletes uh, for deals that they feel are in violation um, of the rules. Uh, you know, Randy, I have lots of thoughts. My like the, the bottom line one is good luck. I think this yeah. is an absolute farce, but I get wanting to do something I think the way the NCAA has handled this, like literally for decades, has been a disaster and an embarrassment. And we're seeing that come to fruition now where there's not really any understanding. I mean, you've talked to probably the same coaches I've talked to. Like These guys, you know, looking specifically on the men's basketball side, because I think that's really where we're seeing a lot of the the stuff that is happening on the fringes of what you would – at the extreme ends of the system – like you talk to coaches in that space, and it, like they kind of throw their hands up, saying, "I don't know what the hell's going on." And I, I'm not surprised, but also at the same time, like, how do you f- figure this out 
in a piecemeal fashion or retroactively. Like you have to have an overhauling solution here, which the NCAA is, I don't think, interested in and then not capable of in a post-Austin world where the Supreme Court basically begged the lawyers of America to bring forth action, antitrust action against the NCAA. So I, I touched on a lot there, so I'm sorry for rambling. But what do you think that what the NCAA said yesterday is feasible at all? And is it is, is there any type of solution to what I do think are legitimate issues? I don't know that I'd call them problems, but legitimate issues and how we're seeing the NIL environment unfold here. Do I think the NCAA, what they said is feasible? No. Um, and here's why. And just because of what you said, the NCAA doesn't win um, in a court of law. The NCAA cannot stop. The NCAA hasn't been able to stop, crack down on anything. When was the last I time mean, they won a court case? Exactly. I, I'm, uh, never. Yeah. Um, which maybe they have. I don't. But I don't. I don't think the NCAA. If if in if in fact the NCAA should ever get sued, they're not gonna. They're not gonna win. Obviously, um, I do find it interesting that they've said that they're going to investigate trans. What's transpired, Miami? I mean, I talked to one person last night who called this the Miami rule, which that's not bad. Um, I mean, that that is what like blew this up into right. Like, yeah. Not only the Nigel Pack. Two-year, eight hundred thousand dollar deal. Yeah, but then his teammate coming out asking for to match it like that. I think shot shock waves. And meanwhile, the you got Laren Aga sitting here. What the heck's going on? And it's <laughs> like it's like okay, I didn't really have any any plans on coaching in the NBA, but I guess this is kind of what this is. And Laren Aga, who was cleared from the FBI uh, investigation, but whose name was in it, like yeah. the, like now they're all part of this. Exactly. Like I'm sure these guys are like, oh boy, what exactly. do we get ourselves into? But but if the NCAA can't find, can't, <laughs> hasn't done anything with Kansas basketball yet, I don't care. I mean, whatever it is, whether it's whether it's say we found nothing, or whether it's it's sanctions, they have. They, <laughs> How long that's been out there? Years, and, and so we're expecting them to to clamp down on this. Now I don't know what we expected name, image, and likeness to be. I don't think any of us thought that it would be to the extent that it is now. But let me let me turn this around and ask you: When we do find out where Tyrese Hunter is going, I say <clears throat> I'm guessing. That's one of the situations that the NCAA will sick its alleged investigators on. I'm okay. guessing there because there's it's it's the it's I'm just guessing. So I think the fundamental issue here, and we hit on this last week, is that the NCAA is attempting to legislate with this guidance. They're attempting to legislate and police entities, organization, people, and money that is outside of their organization that has nothing to do with and nothing to report to the NCAA about take other than the fact that the NCAA has rules that you can't pay an athlete $800,000 to, to um, those rules to attend Miami. Those rules have nothing to, those rules do not, those rules apply to the university 
and to the athlete's eligibility. What is the NCAA going to do to the CEO of LifeWallet, who has never signed a contract with the NCAA, that has no business with the NCAA? They can't throw him in jail. I guess they could tell Miami he can't come to your games anymore, but they can't say you can no longer, your company can no longer pay athletes without getting sued to kingdom come. Because how is the NCAA going to regulate commerce outside of its control? No, that's a great point because the NCAA did say, like you said, that they're not going to come down on the athletes. Um, And the school certainly can say, can do the bill self thing. I didn't know anything. Um, um, about about what's going on, so they complete ignorance. So, and it, and you're right. What if you? What happens if you, um, if you sanction, if it, it, ban a recruiter? Big deal. Um, unless if you've like you said, you've got to prove too many other too many other well, things. Yeah, the, you can ban you can ban a booster. Somebody's got to ban a booster, but. I don't know. Well, there you go again. Can the NCAA do that? I don't think so. Miami can say, or whoever institution can say, you can't come to our games But they're, they're admitting guilt. Who's admitting guilt? In Miami. They're admitting guilt in what? If they didn't do anything. That they, the, that the, okay, so then why are they banning the dude from going to You're missing games? my point, though. I, I think you can do that, but let's say you do that. Okay. You cannot continue to preclude that company from doing business with these athletes and their agents no so if if you can't do that then what are you accomplishing correct and the whole point of this whole thing is yes name image and likeness is legal inducements are not how is the ncaa going to prove an inducement same way they always have they haven't especially (laughs) with the fact that you now legally and within the rules have agents involved in this who you by trade are mostly lawyers that are going to be able to have these negotiations in very particular language of I have a client or what if this happens? What if that happens? It's not somebody saying, if this person comes, I will give them 800,000. You could say if an athlete, if an all American point guard transfers to my, to this university that my company has a relationship with, or I have a relationship, I could see that being worth X amount of marketing dollars for my company. That's not an inducement. That's just talking about the market. So again, it's farcical to think, unless like these people are just going to fall over themselves and hand over documents to the NCAA. And these people, again, are not the universities. The NCAA cannot compel an agency, cannot compel a third-party business to just turn over all their text messages, turn over all their emails. They have no jurisdiction over those people. So again, it is farcical to think that this is going to go anywhere. And let's say they do catch one person who is sloppy and just has no idea how to handle this. Everybody's going to immediately learn how to skirt these rules in a way that isn't even skirting. It's just following the rules to the letter of the law. I mean, it's just, again, we talked about this last week. As long as you're having this sort of strange market off to the side where people, where the, the entities that are making money from these athletes' performances, the schools, are not the ones paying them, you're going to have this weird market. And the other thing to consider here is, too, is that the agents involved have a lot of money to go on here. Because you know how much an agent makes... On a let's say 
you have a college basketball player who is not drafted by the NBA and is going to go sign a $150,000 contract in Greece. That agent gets 4% of that contract, $150,000 contract. You know how much an agent gets on an endorsement deal from a college basketball player that we now know is upward can be upwards of $400,000 or $800,000? They get 15 to 20%. So they get a bigger percentage of a bigger amount of money. You think these agencies aren't going to go crazy if the NCAA tries to rein this in? Again, it's just, this has been haphazard, poorly thought out, and now you're going to get the NCAA in trying to rein it in, really do more damage to the goal that they have set out, which is try to maintain some sort of regulation, try to maintain some sort of amateurism, and it's only going to boomerang back at them because they're going to overstep, they're going to get sued, and the Supreme Court has already indicated they're willing to go set fire to the NCAA's business model. I I agree with exactly what you're saying. I don't want to get to the point, though, where, okay, we start over. Name, image, and likeness has, has gotten totally out of whack. Nobody, for who? For who? It's what we're talking about right now. I'm it's, saying it's the NCAA why, can't control it. I'm not exactly. Saying, that's what who, I'm saying. The NCAA. So it's out of whack for the NCAA. It, it's it, not it got, out of whack for Nigel Pack. It, it got, no kidding. Right. Exactly. But they didn't, like you said, they did not think this name, image, and likeness through. But you think with all the 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 all the all all the important people of college athletics. They could have seen, they could have foreseen a lot of this. And I don't even trust a lot of the collectives. I think the Iowa State collective, and I, I think it's, I think it's fine. Or the Iowa State, the collective with boosters, um, rep, associated, associated with. with Iowa State, yeah, athletes. I think, I don't think, though that's small potatoes compared to, to what's going on here. But I don't know what what is the solution, Travis. Then how do you who who legislates this? I mean, right now nobody's legislating it. You're listening to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. And I guess this, when you talk about a solution, I guess you have to start with what's the goal before you right. have a plan of action. So, what is the goal that a solution seeks? Is it to regulate NIL? Is it to give power back to the universities? Is it to uh, have players organize as employees and have a salary cap and have rules and regulations and completely blow up the athletic models? Like that is where the big why you can't talk about solutions unless you talk about a goal, because solutions are plans of actions towards a goal. What I think the goal should be, what you think the goal should be, what Mark Emmert thinks the goal should be what Jamie Pollard and Gary Barta and whoever else you want to name the agency, CAA, whoever, all are going to have different goals. And that is the fundamental issue of why you're not going to see this move quickly, concisely, constructively in any single direction, because you literally have an unlimited amount of agendas going on here. And I mean, like part of it, too, is, okay, everybody's all out of whack about how much athletes are getting. And like, there are issues here, not so much what athletes are getting, but you talk to coaches and a lot of this is just rumor. It's unsubstantiated rumors, but there are, there's a feeling among coaches that, you know, people are throwing around dollar amounts or throwing around promises that are unlikely to come to fruition, whether it's, 
hey, we can get you a name, image, and likeness deal to just come visit our campus on a recruiting visit. Or if if you come here, here's what a name, image, and likeness can be, and they overpromise, underdeliver, and that's going to hurt kids. It's going to hurt athletic departments. It's going to hurt businesses. Some of that, I think, is probably just going to have to, you know, find its way out. And I think like there are questions too about the collectives. You know, not to like just pick on the Iowa State one because I don't know. I don't know that it's fully formed. But you talk about a what is a non my understanding is it's a nonprofit organization that is essentially just going to be paying athletes to do charity work, which cool. But then you're going to get boosters getting a tax deduction for donating to a nonprofit that essentially then just shuffles that money towards players as a salary pool should boosters, presumably wealthy ones get, get tax deductions for paying players to attend their schools, which is essentially what will happen in some of these instances. And again, I'm not, I don't know that that'll happen at Iowa state or anywhere else, but you can see that, the optics could look like that and the IRS might want to take a look at that. So like there are major issues here from a lot of different angles, but the way that it, I have zero, I have full confidence that the NCAA will have no part in seeing this through in a constructive way, because I don't think they have incentive to, because they don't have a cohesive agenda right now. All right. Let me run this by you and get your gun out. Cause I'm poke holes. Um, Let's say we we do away with collectives, or as they are now. I don't. What about the? To me, the only way to solve this, if in fact it wants to be, it needs. If in fact people want to solve it, is for the universities to start paying athletes, and then and then before you, we you we get going here, um, then somebody somehow develop or, or comes up with a salary cap for each sport for each gender for each school i don't i don't care how you want to do it based on sport i don't i don't care how you do it and then that goes back that gives now hear me out though that makes it the name of vision likeness then is Okay, maybe you can still get your T-shirt deals. But the university then is paying the athletes, which I think we've all said, thought, or a lot of people have thought that should be happening anyway. There's a, there's a salary cap. And then once the universities start paying these players, that becomes public knowledge. It's transparent, I believe. It's contract. We get coaches' contracts. And therefore, once that it's transparent. Everybody will, excuse me, excuse me. Everybody will be able to see who's making what at what school. And I think that could go a long ways in legislating itself. Your comments. I guess what's your point then? My point is we were talked about, about having a solution for the name, image, and likeness for the boosters, the, the big bucks to, to pay these athletes get put it in the hands of the schools to do that and then that becomes transparent and the schools have made it abundantly clear literally over a century that they don't want any part of that and that's a big part of the problem they're getting towards that with they're they're yes i'm not disagreeing with they're getting towards that though with the paying the money for based on academics that iowa state is i don't i don't know where those schools i don't even know there's a name for it i don't know exactly the name for it 
Um, if you graduate, you get your money up on graduation or something like that. I don't know what it is. It's based on per year or something. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to that a little bit with, um, um, what was that called? Cost of education. The university are paying. You know, I've read somewhere where the, now the, where it, it wasn't long ago where somebody said, how much money do you get for, for cost of education? So I think the universities are leaning towards it a little bit. If you want to have the collectives and have the collectives and give the, give the, then the collectives and give it to the, give it to the university and the university can do with as they see, as they see fit. And if they want to pay them, pay players with it, then pay them. And if it's, and again, you're going to get into the public versus private stuff, but if it's, if it's at a public school, I'm guessing we can see how much these players are getting. And then once we do, the whole world will see it. Because, and then that will kind of self-regulate. Yeah, I mean, I think we've spent 20 minutes, and this is a... Not coming a, up with anything. A, yeah, a topic that is going to literally embroil the sports world, the college sports world, I would imagine, for at least the next decade. So we don't have solutions, but certainly have no problem Text me when you, pointing when out, you figure it out the problems. Text me when you write the story, and there's no hint here, but text me when you write the story, Travis, that says... This has been solved. This is the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. When we come back, we'll talk Iowa State football recruiting with the Register's Alyssa Hertel. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. It's Randy Peterson and Travis Hines talking Iowa State Athletics, if you missed any of our discussion about the ongoing name, image, and likeness saga, be sure to check us out wherever you listen to your podcast. But now we're going to bring in Alyssa Hurdle from the Des Moines Register to talk some Iowa State football recruiting, specifically Hunter Deo that Alyssa wrote a really good story about uh, last week about Hunter deciding not to enroll as a mid-year enrollee at Iowa State and instead pursuing track out there in Western Iowa. Alyssa, welcome to the show. And I guess give us your thoughts on, you know, Hunter's decision there and how Iowa State's been supportive of that decision. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me. So I guess for starters, when I talked to Hunter, one of the things that he made very clear was, you know, he just wanted to be able to enjoy the end of his senior year. I mean, they won the state championship in football and then, you know, he got to, as he called it, relax with track Um, And so he'll be going for hopefully a state title in shot and discus. Um, He's got some competition from fellow football players there, but um, I think he's, you know, top 15, at least in class 3A in the state for both of those right now. But, you know, when he talked about his decision, it was basically that he wanted to to finish out track his senior year. Um, And he also just wanted to graduate with his friends, I guess, a little bit like a normal teenager would. Um, And so, yeah, Iowa State seemed pretty supportive of that. When I talked to Hunter, he said that they basically sent him a book of of workouts that he could do to stay in football shape while he was still focusing on track. So he kind of splits his week up between making sure he gets all of his football workouts in and and still competing in track at the same time. Alyssa, correct me if I'm wrong here, but but you've liked this kid from day one. Um, Is this not the kid that you – that you um, approached after a game. Did they play at Indianola, maybe? Um, 
or a game last last football season at least, and you, and you wanted to talk to him, but but first he wanted to to check on a player, an opposing player, or or something like that who had been hurt, or is that was it this player? Or is, do I have this story all screwed up? Uh, you have it a little bit mixed up, but sort of the same thing. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um, so the Indianola Lewis Central game was actually the first game that I worked um, when I got out to Iowa. Um, and the goal there was to talk to Hunter, um, but he kind of left the field, had gotten a little banged up and just didn't look right. Didn't want to talk to him directly after a game when he might be dealing with something serious. Fortunately, he wasn't. Um, but one of the things that stood out for me before the game even started, um, you know, the the line of Lewis Central seniors or captains um, was standing on the field, and you know all of them except Hunter stood still when when Indianola came out from their locker room. Um, and what Hunter did the entire time all of Indianola's team came out was he was clapping, and from the moment the players stepped foot on the field till the last one was on the sideline. Um, and he just when I talked to him about that, you know, respect is a big thing for him, and he said if that's the way he has to show it, you know, it's always about the respect between him and his opponents. So, that, you know, yeah, he, that's, he made that's a, kind of what an impression I was, early that's, on. I guess that's that's kind of what I was remembering. Um, I remember I was at the Big 12 media days last July, I think it was, and I talked to Max Duggan, who, um, Lewis Central, former Lewis Central quarterback, who's now the quarterback at TCU, and I asked him, I said, have you ever heard of this Hunter Dale kid? And he said, oh my gosh, he remembers when he, when he was a senior, um, um, Hunter Dale was was a freshman playing on the defensive line or offensive line, one of them. Um, so and then and then he and then Max Duggan says Iowa State got a great recruit. This kid is off the charts. So that was cool that that you you know saw this thing coming and and you know you got to be on the sort of the ground floor. I mean, you saw a lot of his stuff this year. So that, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, what, anything going on in, in JJ, in JJ Cole world or anything like that? Um, as far as JJ Cole goes, I think now he's kind of just enjoying seven on seven. Um, since he's committed to Iowa state, he can kind of not have to deal with that pressure anymore. Um, I think seven on seven is kind of becoming, not a recruiting tool for him to try and draw other guys to Iowa state, although maybe it is, but you know, he plays seven on seven with Jamison Patton and Kai black. And, and those are two huge targets for Iowa state. So I'm sure he's at least trying to build the connection there with those players on and off the field to, to see if he can convince them to join him at Iowa state. We're talking Iowa state football recruiting with the Des Moines registers, Alyssa hurdle and Alyssa, you know, it's a few weeks out, a little over a month, actually, I think until Iowa state hosts, a number of prospects on campus for their annual camps, but that's usually a pretty high profile opportunity for them to get high profile targets onto campus, to meet with them, to see them up close, either guys that they've already targeted or guys that maybe they're on the fence about. I know last year we saw a number of offers come out uh, from the camp. I guess, I know, again, we're still a little bit early to look ahead to camp, but what are your thoughts on the way Iowa state is trying to structure things in terms of getting guys on campus you know, whether to impress them or evaluate them? Um, I think, you know, looking at who Iowa State has offered and who's kind of on the horizon, it's probably going to be a mix of both in terms of, you know, using it as sort of the final way to convince players to come to Iowa State, but also looking down the road at, you know, even some 2025, 2026 is to, to see 
who's really out there and, and who's worth extending an offer to, um, especially this early on. One of the one of the players that, that I'm, I'll, I'll be there a couple times at least um, just to hang out. One of the players I want to watch is is Cooper with a K, and I can't say his last name. Abels, Ebels. I don't know how, mm-hmm. how for sure you say it. Um, kid from up in north up in Northwest Iowa, and I'm sure he'll get um, major look at by the coaches. And what's what's here's a here's a little. And I think I, I think I mentioned this to you when I was with you last week or two weeks ago that that if you see Matt Campbell at one of the drills that these kids are doing, standing with either an offensive or a defensive coordinator, there's some there's something pretty important going on going on right there. So I'm in that in that in that drill, somebody they're they're really looking at. So I'm guessing that uh, that'll be the situation with Cooper. Any any thoughts on where he might end up, or or is that still some somewhat a ways off? I think it's a little bit up in the air. I mean, Cooper's recruitment has kind of exploded this past month or so. Um, so he's got he's got some options. I think Iowa State kind of being one of the first in the door for him is going to be a big deal. Um, and when he picked up that offer, he was really excited about it. Um, when I talked to him, you know, he talked about the relationships that he's built with the coaching staff there um, and how, how they reached out early and really wanted to get to know him, you know, as a player and as a person before other schools are reaching out, even before Iowa State extended an offer. Um, but then Iowa has come in the door as well, um, and I'm sure that's exciting for him as well. And when I talked to him, he said that's, that's made his decision tougher. Um, so I think he's definitely, you know, on the verge of making a decision. I think come camp time, it could be really important to see from from Iowa State how he meshes with the coaches, if he feels like there's a good fit there. Um, and I'm sure the coaching staff wants to see what they can really get out of him in a camp like that. Alyssa, last year, the, the highest profile player at the camp was somebody who attended but did not participate in that Southeast Polk's five-star offensive line and lineman Caden Proctor what's the latest with his recruitment and does where is Iowa State uh, in terms of that process Iowa State's still in it for Proctor Um, the last time he released sort of his narrowed down choices um, was still in the fall um, and Iowa State and Iowa were both part of that Um, I think with Xavier Nowenka's commitment to Iowa that certainly at least leads a lot of people to believe that Caden will follow him there Um, and, you know, with the Tristan Wirth comparison, you know, you always see that as well going to Iowa. Um, but one of the things that Caden has made very clear in this whole process is that, you know, he's his own person. He doesn't like the comparisons. He's not going to go to a school just because someone else went there. Um, and he's also, you know, he keeps things close to the vest. So I think he's going to use camp season as, as a way to kind of feel out schools a little bit more, see where he thinks he's a good fit. Um, I know he's picked up some offers even after he narrowed it down. So I think, you know, he's obviously got all the choices in the world right now, and it'll just come down to which school can, you know, connect with him the most. From a a big picture perspective, to zoom out about Iowa State football recruiting, what's your sense of how not only the last five years, but maybe the the fact that it's a new era in terms of the roster flipping over is energizing, interesting – to recruits that have seen success but now are going to be either evaluating Iowa State or entering Iowa State in a little bit of a an unknown period or at least a period that the the staff and the program will kind of have to prove itself all over again you know with a whole new uh, batch of players after you know the players that had such a big hand in the last five years of success have moved on 
Yeah, I think I think this goes back for me a couple of weeks to J.J. Cole's commitment. I mean, you, you look at Brock Purdy leaving and, you know, the question of who's going to be the next quarterback, who's going to be the next leader of this team comes up. And, you know, it seems like Hunter Decker is, is in line to do that now. And it seems like, you know, J.J. Cole would follow in line after that, obviously, with his commitment. Um, and, you know, with J.J. Cole committing there, that obviously shows that there's still energy for Iowa State, regardless of these kids leaving. I mean, by the time that J.J. Get, Cole gets to campus, you know, most of those guys, if not all of them, will be gone. Um, and so I think there's still a lot of life. And I think Matt Campbell has proven that he can take players and make them into something rather than, you know, needing five and four star recruits to build his team. Um, and at least in terms of what I'm seeing, I mean, you, you look at the in-state recruits and Iowa used to, to be the one that secured all of them. And Iowa state, I think has started giving them a little bit of a run for their money. And I, I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. I think, you know, I was going to pick up some big recruits, but Iowa state has done the same thing and, and they're going to continue to be competitive with each other, regardless of this sort of turnover. She's Alyssa Hurdle of the Des Moines Register. Be sure to check out all her recruiting and high school sports coverage on DesMoinesRegister.com. Alyssa, I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Alyssa. When we come back on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNL, we'll talk a little bit more Iowa State men's basketball and what might be next for TJ Otzelberger's roster. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. If you miss any of our discussion and conversation with Alyssa Hurdle of the Des Moines Register about Iowa State football recruiting or our uh, spirited back and forth about the current state of name, image, and likeness across college sports, be sure to check out the Cyclone Insider podcast wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Overcast, Google, you name it. Randy, we're on there. Where do you listen to the podcast? When we do it with you. <laughs> uh, we, we, talked, we covered a lot of ground, I feel like, in the first two segments, but I think now we shift gears a little bit to the Iowa State men's basketball program that has gone uh, quite a ways in filling out its roster here over the last month. You know, I still think there's there's two spots that they're looking to fill, and I think obviously the one worth discussing probably at length is what I would imagine is a guard who can shoot it well and create, and the obvious option there, Shot thirty-seven per five to seven percent from three-point range. Yeah, is AJ Green, the Northern Iowa transfer and son of Iowa State assistant coach Kyle Green, who is in the transfer portal and also going through the NBA draft process. You know, last I heard, AJ had worked out for I believe three NBA teams. Yesterday, it became knowledge that he was invited to the G League Combine, which happens. Uh, basically in conjunction with the NBA draft combine. If you'll remember back in what would have been 2019, Mariel Shayok got an invite to the G League combine, performed exceedingly well, got an invite to the NBA combine, and then parlayed that performance and other performances, and certainly what he did as a senior at Iowa State, into being a second-round draft pick of the Philadelphia 76ers. So I think, and the other part here too is my understanding is that AJ also will have at least two more workouts with NBA teams. I believe the Warriors and the Kings, um, and could add to that. So, 
what that means for Iowa State fans, and again, I don't want to act like AJ is signed, sealed, and delivered to Iowa State because I don't believe that to be the case, but you'd have to be pretty naive not to be able to connect some dots here with Iowa State not really recruiting another guard, transfer guard right now, and AJ playing for his dad at Northern Iowa for three years, uh, four years really, before Kyle came to Iowa State last year on TJ Otzelberger's staff, and them needing a guard. So I think really what the likeliest scenario here is, is AJ continues to go through this NBA pre-draft process, and unless he hears something like, you have a second round guarantee or you have a two-way contract guarantee, maybe an Exhibit 10 guarantee, but I, I would think that would probably be borderline, then he it's looking like he would come back to college and Iowa State would obviously be, I would imagine, near if not at the top of his list. But this process has got to play out. And this is a process I do think AJ as a dynamic guard who can shoot you know, the hell out of it has a chance to impress. Somebody could fall in love with him, and the NBA could be a real option for him. You know, I don't think a first-round draft pick is realistic, but could he get into the to the late second round? Could he get a promise for a two-way contract? I think that is certainly within the, the realm of possibility. Yes, <clears throat> yes, and, and his the fact that the NBA at least is, is interested shows me and should show Iowa State fans that in this case, Transferring from the Missouri, transferring from a Missouri Valley Conference school to a Power Five school, like Iowa State, in in the best basketball conference in the country, and one of them, um, it should tra- it it looks like it's going to translate very well. So just because of the the, the NBA um, um, interest, so yeah, I, I agree with you. And my gosh, we started hearing during last season that that AJ Green was was going to be play his last year. That's correct, right? He's got one left, right? Yeah, yeah plays last year. year. Plays last year um, for his father at at Iowa State, and, and I guess that was no surprise. Um, but like all fan bases, the Iowa State fan base started get is starting to get antsy now. When's when's he going to commit to Iowa State? Um, you know what's what's going on there? Is somebody I, somebody even mentioned to me last night that 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 um, you know asked me last night if if there were if there's money floating around out there. And I said, and I said, I said, I said, if there's, if there is, it's going to, I said, how do you, it's going to take a lot to, to break that bond between potentially father and son being together for final year of co- of college. If there, if there's any amount of money in the world that could do that. Um, and, and I, and I, I, I really believe that I really believe that. So it's going to happen. Um, it's maybe not going to happen as, as quickly as, as Iowa State fans thought it would, but but I'm guessing TJ knew that um, the NBA G League camp and and like you said, if he does well in the G League camp, then then going to the or the combine, then going to the NBA draft combine, were were definite possibilities. And um, he doesn't have to pull out of the draft until June first, anyway. So um, it'll be another weaker well next it, the both of those combines are next week so i'm guessing by i don't know it'll go it'll go close to to um to the cut to the deadline but uh i'm guessing sometime within a week maybe before the deadline we will find out what's going on there yeah i mean i think obviously when you get to that level and are operating on the plane that aj green is currently operating on where you're getting nba workouts and Again, we've seen talented players in the same situation at Iowa State not get NBA workouts. Remember 
Deontay Burton going entering his name in the the NBA draft as an early entrant uh, after his would have been junior season and not getting a single NBA. And he came back. Not getting yeah. a single NBA workout. Yeah. And I think that was eye-opening to, to Deontay. And obviously he went on to, I don't believe he was drafted, but had a multi-year NBA mm-hmm. career. So getting invites is not, you know, it's not an indication that you're going to be drafted, but it's not, you know, just a, a rubber stamp thing. So I think there is certainly NBA interest, especially in a world where shooting is at a premium uh, in the NBA. So this is a process that I don't think we have a we don't know how this plays out because if AJ Green goes out in the G League combine and has a great showing and then gets a invitation to the NBA combine and has a great showing or has a great showing when he's in California next week or wherever else he may go, you know, the NBA might become an option. And I think you, when you look at how this plays out, it's AJ Green trying to get to the NBA, whether, and if, if this path this year is not to go to the NBA, I think that's why you saw him put his name in the transfer portal. Because if your goal is the NBA, then going back to you and I for a fifth season is probably not the way to get there. It's going to a Power Five school and playing against competition that he'll play against night in, the in Big Twelve, night in and night out, yeah. and being. And you look at what Iowa State did last year; they had no shooting. You see the roster that they've assembled this year. Aside from, we'll see what the freshmen get. You know, I've I've made the joke like, is Iowa State trying to create a money ball market inefficiency here, where they're only recruiting guys that shoot under thirty percent from three? Because this is again going to be a team that is likely to struggle to shoot from three, and that's why you look at what AJ Green brings. You know, Iowa State. You know, regardless of him being a coach's son, AJ Green is worth waiting for to pay out this process because. Look around the landscape of college basketball right now, whether it's you know just because of the transfer portal and the transfer rules or because of NIL, getting a player of A.J. Green's caliber in through via a transfer is really, really difficult. And so you, it's worth it for Iowa State to wait this out and see how it plays out because I think the most likely scenario, just given what we know about A.J. Green's draft stock, how the NBA you know, values players, is that him getting a second round promise or him getting a two way promise is far from a guarantee. I think it's more likely than not he returns to college. And if he returns to college, I think it's more likely than not he's playing at Hilton Coliseum next year. But there's a lot of steps to go through to get from there to here. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm agreeing with you. I, I, I was um, on that part. Yes. Now, so, okay, so Iowa State lost two very significant players, Tyrese Hunter, and I, Sometimes we neglect to talk about um, um, Brockington, <laughs> Isaiah Brockington. First team all Big 12, Isaiah Brockington. Leading scorer, Isaiah Brockington. Goat, the guy, yeah, they're one of only two guys that, that really ever went to the bat, drove to the basket. Um, yeah, so who, okay, so if, if AJ comes to Iowa State, he takes the, the scoring role. They've still got the point guard situation. And I, Damon Lipsy, ready to step in, a freshman from Ames High School, and be a point guard. I don't even know if he's a point guard. I mean, Jeremiah Williams. Jeremiah probably. Williams. And yeah. Then the, if the, AJ comes, AJ probably gets the ball in his hand quite a bit. Right. I mean, I think what we saw last year is what we're going to see this year yeah. is where they're going to establish themselves defensively. That'll be their identity, and they're going to try. I mean, we forget because eventually they kind of settled into a rhythm offensively, not a very good rhythm, but a rhythm. 
they tried a lot of different things early on in the year to try to mm-hmm. get the offense to work. So I think you'll see a lot of experimentation. You'll see a lot of different looks until they can find something where this might not be a great offense, but it's going to be the best offense we can do, and then they commit to that. That would be my guess on how things play out. But you know, I think, again, you got to give the coaching staff credit for what they were able to do last year and how flexible they were able to be or adaptable they were able to be throughout the season and with their personnel. Because remember, they lost three players between the start of the school season, start of the school year and the start of the season that they really had to revamp a -hmm. lot of different things in terms of depth and strategy. So we'll see how it goes and plays out. But I think, you know, if you're an Iowa State fan waiting for news on A.J. Green, you're probably going to be waiting, I would imagine, at least two two weeks here uh, uh, before there's an answer one way or the other. And maybe we can get some answers from TJ on Friday at the Coaches versus Cancer. We will definitely have questions. Whether or not there are answers is always a uh, an open question when you talk to any coach of any sport at this level. For Randy Peterson, I'm Travis Hines. Again, if you missed any of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register, check us out wherever it is you get your podcasts. We will be back next week on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO.